week of our series, Daily Reminders. And, and as we've gone through this whole series, it's kind of been this, you know, things that we need to remind ourselves, maybe put on our calendars. We put a lot of different things on our calendars when, and to kind of give us that reminder daily of, of putting God first and, and the things that we should be doing first in our life. And back when I was first planning this series last year, um, I kind of struggled with this week's message. Um, not not the, really the message, but what scripture to use. It's, it's the daily reminder is, is really this. Throughout scripture, there's so many different scriptures that tell us about it. And, and I was looking initially in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and, and looking at the first verses and really kind of looking towards verse 11 which tells us, therefore, encourage one another, build up each other, uh, as we're already doing. And I was kind of like, man, that really does fit it. You know, we need to encourage and build each other up. And, and then I kept reading the verses, and, and then through prayer and, and listening to the prompting of the Spirit, I decided to go with the verses that follow it. And, and, and as I was like, I was like, you know, it's going to be tough. There, there's part of the Scripture that... You know, I struggled with, uh, how do I teach on this? And, and I kind of reminded myself, well, wait a minute, you're the pastor. You're supposed to preach the word. You're supposed to preach all the word, not just the good parts, not just the part that tickle the ears, but I'm supposed to preach the word. And, and so as I kind of took that approach, I said, well, you know, I, I guess I can do this. And, and, and it's what I'm called to do. It, it takes me out of my comfort zone and it kind of, you know, it's the Lord stretching me because in the beginning verses today, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 through 22. Uh, the first verses talk about the pastor or the elder or the leaders inside the church. And, and I feel really weird talking about, hey, by the way, I'm your pastor. This is how you should treat me. Um, you know, <laughs> it's kind of... I'm like, yeah, okay, but like I said, we're called to preach your word. We're called to preach all of it, so I won't spend a whole lot of time on that part of it anyways. Um, but as I was reading this and I looked, it's kind of like these, I don't want to say rules, but maybe these responsibilities that we have as, as the church, as the body of Christ is what we find in these verses. And, and it's not these strict rules, you know, it's not like, Robert's rule of order that you do in business meetings that, by the way, drives me absolutely crazy. All the respect in the world for this, eight, for this military guy in the 1800s who came up with parliamentary procedures. But, you know, when it comes down to doing life, it's not, can I get in motion too? Because that's not how we do church. You know, I understand that for parliamentary procedures, but there's times it just drives me absolutely crazy. Um, 
And, and so really, as we kind of look at today, it's, it's not the strict rules, but I think it's the responsibilities of every one of us as believers in Christ, as, as part of the congregation, as part of the church, the body of Christ, that every one of us should be doing. And, and understand, it's not this checklist. It's not this, all right, I checked my box. You know, it's not about checking a box on this daily basis of, well, I, I fulfilled this responsibility. You know, it, it, it's not like that. So if you're a box checker or a, a I got this to-do list, don't think of this as your to-do list. This is what we're called to do each and every day, and it's a responsibility that we have as the church. And, and I think what this set of scripture does, it functions as a gauge kind of a sorts and answers two questions for us, or how, actually asks us how are we doing on these two things. And the first is how much do we love one another, and the second how much do we love the Lord? So kind of the big idea for today is, is this encouraging and serving others is an important daily routine. It, it reveals God's love to, for us towards others. So kind of that daily reminder is something you want to put on your calendar to, to remind you, hey, I, I need this daily routine. Have a daily routine of encouraging and serving others. Because you'll be really surprised that when you actually take that daily routine of encouraging and serving other people, it's not always about them. It's amazing what it does for you and your own heart. When you take that time to encourage someone, build someone up according to their needs, uh, and serving others, it's amazing how it affects you yourself. So with that being said... We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 22. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew. Uh, in the back of the pew, it's on page 1,358. But that, as always, it will be up here on the screen. So hopefully you have a Bible with you and you're able to open it up. And as always, I would ask you all to please rise for the reading and the hearing of God's Word. And read along with me, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 through 22. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you, and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good, Stay away from every kind of evil. The Word of God. Praise be to God. You may be seated. So there's a lot going on here today and kind of, you know, like I said, part of me is, man, I, I don't know how to preach on these first couple verses, you know, because it's, it's about the pastor. It's about pastors and elders. So, and so I think we need to just get right into it. Uh, one of the things that responsibilities of a congregation is 
towards the leaders, towards the leaders inside the church. Understand, I think God has really woven into the fabric of life the need for leaders. And it's not just leaders in the church. You see leaders in the family. Every one of us know who leads our family. We have leaders in our workplace. Sports teams have leaders and coaches. So, so there's leaders throughout. And, and ultimately, without leaders, things fail. You think about it, if a sports team doesn't have a good leader, they're going to lose. If a business doesn't have good leadership, they're going to fail. And the same thing happens within a church. You see a lot of churches fail uh, because of the leadership or the lack of leadership inside the church. Um, and, and here as we look at the, the, this letter to the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians needed leaders. They needed good leaders. And, and the reason I say this is they were a young church. This was a church that the Apostle Paul planted he wasn't able to spend a lot of time there because the people kind of ran him out of town, you know, thought he was this troublemaker, and, and the, they ran him out of town. So he really wasn't able to be there, so he's writing his letter to the Thessalonian church. And, and it's a church that was a young church. It had young believers inside the church, so they were, you know, baby Christians, still eating baby food, weren't really on the good stuff. But one thing we know is that Elders, pastors, and elders were already appointed inside this church. So they had people leading the church already. And the Apostle Paul is writing to them to tell them to, to admire their leaders. They're telling them to, to urge them to follow the leadership of the people who labored among them, of the people who led them in the Lord, and those who admonished them. And and it really, it's, it strongly implies the fact that we know there are leaders already there. And, and it's one of the things, if you read through the book of Acts and you read in the New Testament, it's something that Paul and even Barnabas did wherever they were at. Back in Acts chapter 4, you actually see that, that in Lystra, Iconia, and Antioch, it actually says this in Acts 14, 23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with the praying and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Even in Titus, he wrote to Titus in chapter 1, verse 5, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So, so Paul's basically telling the Thessalonians to give proper respect to those leaders or elders or overseers or bishops, all those terms are interchangeable. Uh, give them the respect that they have for the labor that they do, for what they do, and even through the admonishment of the congregation. I do want to let you know, I, this is one of the scriptures that as a pastor is one of the reasons that I work hard. Uh, I think a pastor should work hard. I believe a pastor should be one of those who, you know, at the end of the week, I should be tired. I should be weary from the work that I did. Uh, understand, I don't think there's a pastor where I should say there shouldn't be a pastor in the world that ever took the position for the paycheck because Lord knows we don't get paid well. <laughs> Just, that's a joke. 
Lord, <laughs> and understand you, it's not this nine to five job being a pastor, being a lead pastor. It's a calling, it's really not a job. Um, but then it, there's still a lot of work. You know, we've got a building here from 1965. There's a whole lot of work that goes into maintaining the building. And, and many of you know throughout the week I'm out there painting. I mean, the other day, I didn't even paint and I got paint on me. I said, that is just crazy. I'm not even painting and I get paint on me. Uh, you know, because I always seem I want to be out there in it, helping to do it and get it done. And, and, and here we even see that, you know, being a pastor, being an elder, it's work. It's work and it takes leadership. Now, the other thing it takes is this whole admonishing people. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting as you, you think about admonish. It actually means to put in the mind of. Okay, so you're putting in the mind of someone or, or you're warning somebody. And, and it even comes up, the word warn comes up again in verse 14. Um, the, the whole thing of this admonishing actually very, it really leans towards teaching and preaching. It, having to, guess what? I'm going to preach God's word. I'm going to preach what God's word says. I'm not going to flirt with, hey, but I know the world says this and maybe mince a little bit on what God's word says. I'm always going to preach what God's word calls us to do. And that's what we're called to do. That's what pastors are called to do. Although we know there are pastors who don't. That's between them and the Lord. I'm always going to preach the word. And guess what? When preaching the word, there's sometimes you're going to be sitting there saying, Pastor, get out of my business. Consider that the admonishment that you're getting where God is using me to preach his word and to, that the Holy Spirit is then convicting you of what you're not doing. Because that's where the admonishment comes in. And it's really interesting. It's still, even though there's... The, the Apostle Paul talks about this, you know, respecting or loving the, the pastor. It's a two-way street because the same love and affection that, that you give to me, I need to give to you, and I need to be open and honest with it, and, and it works both ways. I actually like author and teacher F.F. Bruce actually wrote this. It will make for an effective life and witness of the church and for peaceful relations among its members if the leaders, pastors and elders, are recognized and honored for their direct and their directions followed. The corollary of this is that the leaders, pastors and elders, should be the kind of people who deserve to be recognized and honored by their fellow Christians. So it works both ways. This is two-way street. And, and the instructions to the Thessalonians really is, is hold them, their pastors, their elders, uh, the leaders of the church, hold them and regard them very highly in love because of their work. So under the watchful eye of God, pastors lead and care for the church. That's what we're called to do. And, and this whole admonishing thing, I, I find it interesting because you think about it, I've got to admonish someone who pays my salary. That's kind of a tightrope walk there, isn't it? 
I got to tell you, hey, sorry, but brother, but you're sinning. Huh? Don't you know I pay your salary? Well, yeah. Guess what? I pay my own salary too, but anyways. But, but and you run into it, and, and the irony of the whole thing is you will actually get members in a church. You know, we've all seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of pastor congregation and congregation pastor. And you'll get people, that's it. I don't get to do what I want. I'm not giving my tithe. Okay, fine. Don't give it. That's between you and God. It's got nothing to do with the pastor. The only thing it's going to do is hurt the church itself. Or, or you get these people who, who you know, I, I've heard these horror stories of people who only come to business meetings, but you never see them on Sunday. And then in the business meeting, they want to be in charge, but yet they never worship. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Y'all seen that? Or, or you get these people, and, and unfortunate reality is we all come from different walks of life. We're, we're different ages, different nationalities, different backgrounds. Everything about us is different. So guess what? We all think a little different. But, but there's some people who want to just, it's my way or the highway. Well, I'm going to take my toys and leave. You know, I want this church to be perfect. Well, guess what? You're here, so it's not. Because none of us are perfect. There's a reality inside the church that the biggest problem inside the church is sin. And if you think about it, it's sin because we're all sinners. Every one of us. The person sitting next to you is a sinner. Husbands, don't look at your wives. Wives, you can look at your husbands. I don't want to do no counseling because the husband looked over and said, mm-hmm, you hear the preacher? Okay? I, I, don't want, I don't want to have to do no counseling. Wives, it's okay for you to tell your husbands they're sinners. We know. We're, we're men. But, but that's the biggest problem within the church is the sin, and unfortunately that means we have to do something about it. Okay? And that's where that admonishment comes into it. So responsible to the leaders, go on. We need to be responsible towards each other. We, we want to hold each other accountable. In other words, y'all got to get along. Y'all remember your mom? Y'all got to get along. Brothers and sisters in the house, boy, I remember my mom. You better get along with your sisters. Don't make me have to get a switch. Don't make me make you go draw your own switch. And don't come back with that flimsy one. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Come back with that flimsy switch. It's on. My mom could throw a flip-flop around the corner. But the reality is that, that we, we, we need to be there for each other. We need to get along. And like I said, we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different ideas. We all have these different choices or, or these beliefs. I think this is how it should be done. That may not line up with everybody else. And the thing is, that's where we got to take that time and, and actually... Look to each other and have that, have that responsibility to, to love and care about each other and have that towards each other. Um, you know, I, we're supposed to be countercultural. We're not supposed to be like the world. I think it's funny, man, in the world, think about it. And, so, and all of us got worldly friends. And all of a sudden, they get mad at us. What happened? You know, like in the world today, they got canceled culture. If they don't like someone, they want to, you know, oh, well, this celebrity or this person uh, said something or did something that 
that got me upset or something I didn't believe in, so we need to cancel them and just get them off TV, get them off whatever it may be. And, and, or all of a sudden you got these, you're on Facebook and people you may know and you're like, wait a minute, I thought I was friends with them because they got upset with you and they unfriended you or they block your number or they delete you. You know, that's it, I'm never going to talk to so-and-so again. Yeah, that's what the world does. We're not supposed to do that inside the church. We're supposed to be different. But, man, that kind of creeps inside the church, don't it? Man, I'm done. Pastor better not call me. I done blocked his phone number. <laughs> you better not call. Oh, I done deleted you. And then I'm going to go on. Not only am I going to delete you, but then I'm going to talk about you on Facebook, and I'm going to put reviews on the church or whatever it may be. But, see, that's what the world does. We're Christ followers. We should be different than what the culture is. We should, we should be different. We should function different and understand that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we all have the same common goal. We're here to glorify God. We're here to glorify God. We're here to tell people about my Jesus. We're here to make disciples, and we're here to do what God called us to do. So if all of us, no matter what our background is, no matter what our future is, if all of us had the same common goal, we'd be doing the same thing, right? But we don't always have that same common goal. Because unfortunately, we all like our favorites, you know, our three favorite people, me, myself, and I. But we need to worry and be focused on who he is what he's done for us, and that allows that to give us that responsibility towards each other. I think it's interesting, if you look at how we deal with each other, the, the verbs that are used here, it talks about warn, comfort, help, and be patient. So warn those who are idle. I think it's interesting, you notice this is for, this is, isn't talking about the pastor or the leader, it's talking now about the congregation. Warn those who are idle. So guess what? It's not always the pastor's job. Sometimes it's our job as believers, not only as a pastor, but as, as other members inside the church, to warn people who are idle. Understand that, that dealing with people inside a church is an urgent matter. We know people who may be idle within the church. A lot of times people who are idle actually bring conflict, um, they get disruptive, they're undisciplined, all these different things. Well, as believers in Jesus Christ, and I've said it before, that whole don't judge me is just wrong. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are to hold each other accountable. And just like it says in Matthew, if you have a problem with your brother and sister, you go to them. Have that conversation. If it don't work out, bring somebody else with you and go back again. It's up to all of us to warn those who are being idle. You think about someone who's being idle, there's a very good chance that they may fall away from the Lord and fall into their sin and fall into a place that they shouldn't be. And us as Christ followers need to hold each other accountable and be there and have that responsibility for one another. Be there, be willing to be there for one another. Because the reality is the biggest threats to the church 
often come from within, not from the outside. It's generally problems in the church start within the church. It's not the neighborhood saying, man, I don't like that church. We're going to go, you know, pick at the church. It generally ain't happening. You know what happens is it starts inside. Someone is idle. Someone becomes unruly, and, and that's where that cancer begins to spread. And it spreads because as believers, oh, I don't want to say nothing. I don't want to hurt their feelings. The world don't want to hurt people's feelings. As Christ followers, we need to be there and have those conversations. And guess what? Sometimes they're hard. We have hard conversations each and every day. Be willing to take responsibility for one another and hold each other <coughs> and warn those who are being idle. goes on and says, comfort the discouraged. Man, we all know some people who get worried and anxious, don't we? And to, for the life of me, I'm like, well, you know, God's word says be anxious about nothing. But we get anxious. You know, we get people who are anxious. We get people who, who are fearful. And, and I think about this Thessalonian church. They're a brand new church. They're getting persecuted. I mean, they're literally getting persecuted. People within the church are dying because of the persecution. They've got reason to be afraid. They've got reason to be discomforted at this time. And here the Apostle Paul's telling them to, to comfort the discouraged, to be there for them. And, and the reality is there's times every one of us may feel that discomfort. We may get discouraged. I actually like what Chuck Swindell said about encouragement. He said, the gift of encouragement may be wrapped in a kind word, a gentle touch, a smile, a shoulder to lean on, it may simply be our presence. Too often we isolate ourselves like strangers on an elevator. We feel uncomfortable even making eye contact or speaking politely to one another. In the family of God, though, these things must be different. Let's free ourselves to touch one another, particularly the discouraged, who need to know someone cares. And kind of, I always think of it like this way, as I think of Scripture like this, who do I know that needs to be encouraged? And I ask myself that question. Who do I know that needs some encouragement? And then when that name comes to mind, you know what I do? I go and I encourage them. I come alongside them. Uh, I'll take time to call them and, and you know, I, hold, I like the way Chuck Swindell says, just being in their presence. You know, as a chaplain with the sheriff's department, our ministry, we even say it is our ministry is a ministry of presence. Being there just to be that shoulder to lean on. Being there to hear what they have to say. Just being there to encourage them and help them move along the way. And every one of us can probably think of someone who did a ministry or took time to encourage us at some point in our life. There are people within inside the church who need someone to come alongside of them. The Apostle Paul's telling us, be there, comfort them. Comfort them, be there by their side, allow them to lean into you and lean on you and move forward from there. Understand there is codependence. There is some people who 
are going to always want to lean. There's people who are always going to be anxious. There's people who are going to be chicken little. The sky's always falling. It doesn't mean you don't take that time to, to be there for them. Be that person. If nothing else, just be a sounding board. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. We should listen twice as much as we speak. Sit back and be that encouragement. Be there for people who are in need. Help the weak. Um, I know a lot of people look at this and they automatically think, man, those physically weak people. I think the Apostle Paul's talking about spiritually weak. And, and the, the reason I say this is it's a young church. So you got this young church with baby believers, and, and I'm sure you got some people who have a little, you know, more strength spiritually than, than other people do. And the reality is there's times that someone who's strong spiritually needs to come along, someone who's weak. And the reality is sometimes it switches. You may be strong spiritually this week, but weak next week. You know, and, and so those who are strong spiritually, those who are, you know, just, hey, I got this, come alongside those who are weak spiritually, build them up. As it says, iron sharpens iron. Take that time to be with each other, to, to build up someone who may be spiritually weak at the time. And, and it could go way back to they're going through something. Maybe they're discouraged, so their, their belief and their spirituality is weak at that moment, and you're able to come alongside them and, and lift them up and, and use your spirit and have God use you in a way to strengthen them, to strengthen them while they're weak in their spirit, to allow them to continue to move forward in everything. goes on, be patient with everyone. Patience is a virtue. Y'all have heard that, right? I'm here to tell you, we love patience when other people have to deal with us, right? Man, I am so glad you were patient. As long as you're patient with me, I will never be patient with you. Y'all know that's right? We love when people are patient with us, but we have zero patience when it comes to them. Be patient with everyone. Think about this. This is an attribute of God. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit is, is patience. And, man, we do so bad at it. We're so bad at being patient. Uh, I mean, hey, we live in South Florida. Let a light turn green, and you're not immediately on the gas. What do you hear? Uh, the person behind you has no patience, you know. But then on the back of it, they also got, you know, the little fish on the back of their car. Well, they got a little FBC lantana. Don't be having FBC lantana on your car and honking your horn and telling people they're number one. Yeah, I, I'm just telling you. Be, it says be patient with everyone. Being part of the church family, there's a lot of people. We, we're, we're different. Sometimes it requires patience to be just together in a room. Take that time. Be patient with one another. And remember, it is an attribute of God, and it is a fruit of the Spirit. If we're going to be Spirit-filled believers, we need to have patience in everything we do. Our responsibility is also to pursue what is good for one another and for all. So here's the reality. Whether or not you think someone deserves kindness or not, give them kindness. Well, they don't deserve my kindness. Well, yes, they do. According to God and God's word, everyone, we need to be kind to everybody. 
treat everyone with kindness. We need to resist the worldly or the sinful nature that's in us and thinking if they don't deserve it, we're not going to give it to them. Be kind with everyone you come in contact with. It's our responsibility towards one another uh, to be kind and, and to help each other through everything we're going through. Yeah, I, I think about the realization that God generally uses his people to help his people. And it comes through that kindness. It comes through that being there for someone when they need, maybe discouraged. Being there just to be a sounding board. Being there to be able to listen. Having patience with each other. I think God uses all of these things with, within his people to help the people grow. To help us be who he calls us to be. And I think it also it works a two-way street because sometimes I'm not patient and people are patient with me. It kind of helps me to understand to be patient. It helps me to be more encouraging to others. And so I... I Every, I think if I need to work on it, maybe y'all are perfect and y'all don't need to, but, but at least for me, God's speaking to me this morning, i got to work on it. So we need to have responsibility towards our leaders, towards one another, and then it goes on to say towards the Lord. We have a responsibility to the Lord. Now, now all through here, all through from these verses, there's actually eight different imperatives that are listed here. And I think it, the way they're listed, it's this continuous action that we have to do. I don't want to say continuous commands, but, but it's what we as Christ followers should, should be doing. And, and we should continually go on these, these, they're not just occasional habits or things that should be daily reminders that we do each and every day, that, that we, hey, I've got to do this today. You know, the Lord has asked me to do this, and if I'm going to be responsible to what God and his word says, then I need to do these eight things on a daily basis. Now, understand, it's, there's a whole lot more than just these eight that we've got to do. But starting somewhere and doing it and identifying who we are in Christ, and it also identifies us as Christ's followers by doing what it calls. He goes on into these next verses. I think this is something corporately, not only individually, but corporately we should do. goes on, rejoice always. I'm like, really? Man, have you seen the hurts, hang-ups, and habits in people's lives? How can people rejoice always? And then it's that realization of, of, of rejoicing starts from the inside out. It, it starts from inside of us. It's not about what's going on around us. It, it starts in here. And, and when we can realize how sovereign our God is, it's kind of easy to rejoice in him. And we can actually rejoice always when we're rejoicing in our sovereign Lord instead of our circumstances, realizing that he is bigger than what we're going through and that whatever we're going through, he can use for his glory. He can use it on the path and for the plan that he has for us to make us a stronger individual. So, so we need to rejoice always in him, knowing who he is. Pray continually. Now, I want to say pray continually isn't like just 
the same old prayer over and over and chanting throughout the day. It's, it's this constant conversation with our Heavenly Father. You know, we, we've talked about during prayer group and, and even on Wednesday night Bible study, it's, sometimes it's that text message prayer, 140 characters or less. You know, God, I need you now. You know, there's my prayer. I need you now. But whatever the circumstance is throughout the day, and it's, it's just pray without ceasing is this continual conversation between you and God, between you and your heavenly Father. Because that's what praying is. Praying is having a conversation with your heavenly Father. And sometimes we try and make it so much bigger than what it is. We try and use these big words and, and these scripted prayers and God already knows what you need and what you want. He just wants to hear you say it. He just wants to hear you speak. So praying throughout the day, is, it's, this, it's all about that relationship that we have. Now, now this last one, give thanks in everything. I think the Apostle Paul is kind of really stretching it. Giving thanks in everything. Really? Now, I, I got to admit, there's some things it's easy to give thanks in. You know, there's some things it's really easy, but everything? You mean everything I go through throughout the day, I got to give thanks. I think the Apostle Paul was kind of stretching it a little bit. But then I think about it. I think about what it says. It's not the everything that counts. It's in. So whatever you're in, whatever you're going through, whatever is happening in your life at that point in time, that's when you're supposed to give thanks. And I'm like, in everything, yes, because in everything, God is right there by my side. And because God is right there by my side, I can give thanks to him. I know that he is walking beside me. He's going with me. He's going before me. And I can give thanks in the fact that I know He's there. He is with me through it. And it may not be the best place to be. It may not be where I need to be at the time. But still knowing that he is in it with me. He's in everything. The thousand thoughts, the thousand situations you go through a day, guess what? God is right there in it with you. So we need to give thanks. We need to be in it with him because everything, single thing can ultimately be used for his good and his glory. So we need to be able to give that thanks in everything that we do. And I'm not just saying, boy, I'm thankful. Because that, you know, that's how it comes off. Oh, I'm thankful. No, how about saying you're thankful for him? You're thankful to him for what he's done for us giving that gratitude, and you can go back a couple weeks ago, we actually talked about that, about the gratitude that we give to him. Because reality is, I, I think that, that when we honestly believe that we have nothing to be thankful for, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. Preach the gospel. Jesus died on a cross for you. Jesus died on a cross for me. Jesus paid for all of my sins. I will spend eternity with Jesus in heaven because of what he did for me. And if that can't make me be thankful, I got problems. 
And, and I think we get to them points that we actually forget what he's done for us. And in everything, he is there. In everything, he died on that cross at Calvary. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been saved. We're able to spend eternity with him in heaven. And that is enough to rejoice over always. In everything. So there's times you just got to preach the gospel to yourself. Just remind yourself everything that he has done for you and none of it you deserved. And that's the biggest part. None of us deserved any of it that he did for us. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God, but yet he loved us that much. He went and died on the cross for us. That is a reason to rejoice and to give thanks. And you think about it, they are all God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Whether you're rejoicing, praying, or giving thanks, it's within God's will for you. So if we're doing it, guess what? We're doing what God wants us to do. That's a win-win situation. We're actually within the will of God doing what God wants us to do. Woohoo! How many times a day can you say you're within the will of God doing what God wants you to do? <coughs> Taking those steps. So we got to be responsible to leaders, each other, towards the Lord, and towards the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Don't extinguish the Spirit's fire. Do not stifle the Spirit. I actually like King James. Quench not thy Spirit. See, Paul uses this language of like putting out a fire. And, and you think about it like, wow, you know, putting out this fire, putting out the fire of the Spirit, quenching thy spirit. And I think it's interesting right after this, quench not thy spirit, he starts talking about prophecy. And he goes on, he says, don't despise prophecies, but test all things, hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. You see, Paul here's um, admonishing the Thessalonians not to despise legitimate prophecy. They, see, at the time of the writing of the Bible, they still have, uh, Paul reminds them that, that this ongoing gift of the Spirit was prophecy. And that there were people who would come into the church and the Spirit would prophesy through them the things in the Word of God. They didn't have an entire Bible. We've got all of God's Word in front of us to to teach us, to admonish us, to, to rebuke us, whatever it may be. Back then, they still had prophets that came in and prophesied the word of the Lord. Now, what they were told to do is listen to it, but then test it. The same thing we do today. When we hear something, we test it against God's word. If you hear a preaching, a teaching, whatever it may be, and something's kind of that, the Holy Spirit's like, uh, open up God's word. Check out God's word and don't quench what the Spirit tells you. Don't just go with, well, he's been on TV and he's a multi-million dollar pastor. I'm going to listen to what he's got to say. All right? Test it against God's word. The same thing the Thessalonian church had to do with the prophecies that people gave then, we still have to do today. Test it to God's word. Dig in, look at hey, does this actually line up with what God's word has to say? And if it doesn't, get away from it. Get away from it. Don't stay. Avoid what is bad. Avoid what is evil. And get uh, as far away from it as you can. But do not stop 
the movement of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us throughout every day. The Holy Spirit is that voice that you hear. Don't put out what the Spirit has for you. Reject what is harmful and move away. And I read a quote once that said, if you want to hear the Lord speak, read the Bible. If you want to hear him speak audibly, read the Bible out loud. The Thessalonians had to test everything that they heard against what they knew from the Lord. We need to do the same today. Test everything that we hear. I mean, it's interesting. Even in Acts chapter 17, the, the Bereans, when the Apostle Paul's talking in Greece, it actually says, they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. We need to be the same way. If you hear a message, if you hear something, test it against God's word. Remember, God's word never changes. God's word never changes. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So test things against his word. And avoid the things that go against what his word says. Uh, avoid getting pulled in. You know, like I've said before, you know, we use that 20-20 rule. Read 20 verses before, 20 verses after. Because it is very easy for someone to take one verse and twist it. I take one verse in the Bible. Well, that's what the Bible says. Yeah, but that's not the full context. So make sure you really dig in to see what it truly says it is um, and, and test that. So as you can see, as a church, we got a lot to do. See, here's the reality of it. We're not individuals. We're a part of the body. We are the church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. Every one of us, no matter how much, how messed up we are, no matter how jacked up we are, we're all loved by the same God. We all should be going in the same direction. Every one of us has the same responsibilities, and it's not about coming and sitting in a room for an hour a week. This is things that we do each and every day. Take time. Be responsible. Show love to your leadership. Show love to your boss at work. Imagine showing love to your boss at work. Man, that's kind of countercultural, isn't it? Your boss probably going to be going, what in the world got into you, Jesus? Love your boss. L love your boss this week. Tell your boss you appreciate him. All right? Make sure you let your boss know. Let your leaders know that, that you, you do appreciate them. Be responsible for one another. Urge each other to, uh, We've been encouraged to not only warn, but encourage each other, help each other, be patient with one another, responsible to the Lord, rejoice, praying, giving thanks, and don't ever stop what the Spirit does. Don't ever stop the movement of the Spirit. The movement of the Spirit is an amazing thing. Don't stop it. Don't ever be the one to step in and go, oh, wait, wait, wait. We, we, we don't allow that here. <laughs> All right? Don't ever stop the movement of the Spirit. When the Spirit moves you, move. When the Spirit calls you to worship, worship. When the Spirit calls you to read God's Word, read God's Word. When the Spirit 
cause you to get away from something that's harmful. Get away. When the Spirit puts that roadblock up and tells you, hey, you need to stop where you're at, stop. Don't move it out of your way and keep going. Because all you're going to do is fall into some place that you shouldn't be. And, and maybe you're here today and like, man, Pastor Spears like talking to me that I, I fail at all this stuff. Guess what? You're not alone. Everyone in this room fails at something. And, and maybe today it's just, man, I got to be a little more patient. And I, I need to encourage other people. I, I need to actually do that daily reminder and, and try and encourage and lift someone up every day in my life and, and try and be the person that God called me to be. Or, or, or maybe you're stuck on Robert's rule of order for how you live your life and, and think, well, church should be run by these rules. Well, we don't run by rules. We run by the Spirit of God. We do what God calls us to do. Now, yes, God, we serve a God of order, so there is order, but it's not like written in stone. Okay? We, we do what the Spirit calls us to do. We worship our God. We're patient with each other. We pray. We rejoice. We do all He calls us to do. And if you're here today, maybe you're, you know, the Spirit's moving you. Today's your day. You, you need to come and, and, and join the family and, and be part of the, this life and be part of the body of Christ because you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And maybe you're just saying, hey, you know, Pastor, you don't know. I'm still hungover from last night. Hey, Pastor, you don't know, man, I, I, I just got out of jail. Or, or Pastor, I'm watching you online because I'm in jail. God's right where you're at. He's right there. He's willing to listen. He's willing to be there for you. And, and it's nice and simple. You're never too bad or too far gone. God's Word says we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. So every one of us, as I said earlier, is a sinner. That's why sin is a church problem. But yet God loved you enough that he sent Jesus to the cross to die for you for your sins. And God's word says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now see, it's that whole Jesus as the Lord of my life. It's not... I accepted Jesus into my heart. No, I accepted Jesus to be the Lord, the master of my life. He is the one who's going to dictate to me what I do each and every day. Make him the Lord of your life. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you've never done it before, I tell you today, there's no better day, time than right now to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And there's no better time than right now to thank God for what he's done in your life. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. And give thanks in everything. Be the difference you want to see in the world this week. Amen?
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. And Lord, it's not always, you know, nice and easy. And sometimes it comes across sounding like it's rules or regulations. But Lord, this is just what you call us as believers to do. You, you call us to, to be there for each other, to warn each other, to be responsible to one another, to be willing to be an ear, to be willing to be spiritually strong, to be willing to, to pray and rejoice and give thanksgiving. And, and Lord, be patient. Lord, we thank you that all that comes from you. Because, Lord, without you, we'd be able to do none of it. So, Lord, we thank you for what you do in our life. And, Lord, my prayer is that each one of us would begin to encourage one another each and every day. And, Lord, that if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, Lord, that, that after this final song, Lord, that they'll come and they'll find me in the back of the room. And, and Lord, that we can have that conversation. And that today would be the day of their salvation. That they would make you the Lord of their life. And begin to be more like you each and every day. So Lord, we love you. We honor you. We seek to praise and glorify you in all that we do. And Lord, make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.
Christ is risen from the grave.